0: Welcome to Therapia, where we dive into the minds of therapists. This is where you get answers to all the weird, wonderful, and edgy questions you have. I'm your host, Indigo Melrose, counsellor and psychotherapist, dementia expert, and passionate podcaster. So, let's get into it. Welcome back to part two of Trance Dance Ritual and Mental Health. Rose and I are with Kate, and we are so excited to be able to dive deeper into this rich experience.
1: Hi, my name is Kate Clement, and I'm here today with Intego and Rose, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Biadora and trance dance ritual, mental health, and really, I guess, what these have meant to me in my life and perhaps some offerings and some ideas about how these could become more part of people's everyday lives here in Australia and around the world, but starting at home.
0: (laughs) Symbols can touch something deeply within us. The Jungian approach believes symbols stir the soul. Trance can provide an experience that takes us out of ourselves. Maybe you are unsure if you have had a trance experience. So let's talk about what a trance state actually
1: is. We could possibly say that it's happening all the time in some way. You know, there's an alteration in our state going on often during the day. Maybe when we do a ritual, we're very specific about it. We carve out a particular time and place and set of activities where it's perhaps more obvious that we might, you know, have a trance inside that special place. But I would say that. Everyone's had them, whether or not we recognise them. Daydreaming is really important. Like, we sp- <laughs> It's really important to our functioning, <laughs> you
2: know. Yeah, firstly how like we're also like culturally addicted to screens, but actually like often people seem a bit tranced out when they're scrolling. There's something different about that quality and when you're spaced out daydreaming. And I remember last year we drove from Melbourne to Sydney and – Someone asked me if I was giving my son, who was four at the time, an iPad for the journey, and I said no. And I said, "Well, what's he going to do for the whole drive?" And I was like, "Daydream and look out the window." And but I think we're in this thing now, if we always have to have something to do. Yeah, there's so much to be said for actually not doing anything and to letting your mind drift into going into that daydreaming state. And I hadn't thought of that as being a trance state, but I think, yeah, what you're saying, like we're probably experiencing those states all the time and not realising.
1: Yeah, I think that's where it links to health because communities and societies have been doing this for so long because they recognise the importance of it for health, individual and collective health, and actually even health of like the environment and life. You know, if we think of indigenous people in Australia, you know, care of country is huge. Dance, rituals, songs, it's the same. The person is the country. The country is the person. And that link is accessed, def- I would say, definitely through trance, you know, involving music and dance and maybe other things too. It's something humans figured out a long time ago that we need actually to stay connected in ourselves, to stay connected with each other and to stay connected with life.
0: When is the last time you really daydreamed, got lost in a world of your own? In its way, this is the type of trance state, one that you can access with ease, anywhere, anytime. Just stop doing, and in that space, allow yourself to connect in with your deeper self. Sometimes we reach for substances to access these trance
2: states. From the framework that we practice, which is process-oriented psychology, they say there's a wisdom in our addictions. You know, we're trying to achieve something, but we're not necessarily going about it in the best way. So I feel like, you know, Beautiful. this addiction to screens is perhaps actually what we're really reaching for is that trance state in some ways.
1: Yeah. yeah, I reckon you're on it there. I love what you said about bringing down the barriers. That's the inhibitions coming down. You know, that's the all those emotions that were half finished and whatever, not expressed, That's that to me, they then dissipate. So it's a, it's a physiological, biological thing as well as a sort of psychic, it's like on all levels, yeah, we open up maybe to more of who we actually are.
0: It's interesting talking about trance. I find I'm getting a bit tranced out. I guess my question is, ritual. obviously we've been talking a lot about it. It's such an important part of your experience in South Africa. It's such an important part of, as you say, the experience of the Australian land, the Australian people. Why is it not in our lives today?
1: I think it's been co-opted. It's been taken over for nefarious purposes. (laughs) Religions know the power of ritual that's why they use it (laughs) but I'm not sure that that the intentions carried through were always so wholesome maybe the freedom the expansion of consciousness the kind of direct connection with life that these trances can bring about you know because a lot of religions it's via it's via a belief system it's via a figure it's via somebody else you know so the structures of power get set up. I mean, and, and it's interesting because if you think back far enough, like to the Indigenous people in Southern Africa, the San Khoisan, there were particular people in the community that would have this, this particular kinds of trances. And those trances were entered into to bring a healing energy into the community. You know, so there still was sometimes a person who had that as their job or their ability, special ability this thing of being maybe a special person who has some kind of ability, I guess it's there in terms of the ritual space, different roles exist.
0: Yeah, there's lots of people that can go into trance states throughout society. You know, exorcisms was a big thing for a long time going to this trance state or in, I guess, more uh, Eastern sort of societies, you have people that go into a trance state and tell you a message. But it's almost like, we can access that as an individual in our everyday life or in our community as well. And that's maybe where we need to go back to is just simplifying it again and bringing it back mm-hmm. to the core of it rather than having it as this really huge event that has to take place. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking ritual every day, like even preparing and eating the evening meal is a, is a ritual. Like that in itself is just a very simple daily ritual. Mm-hmm. That is often overlooked you know it's often yep stick it in the microwave sit in front of the tv and voila
1: (laughs) it's true it's true and i think a part of the issue we've got is that we don't know how to switch off our prefrontal cortex we use it so much our system's literally forgetting how to bring it down you know whereas maybe in the past because there were these experiences that everyone was participating in dancing and singing and all this kind of thing maybe it was just yeah, people's physiology was working in a different way. Now that capacity is getting diminished. I went to a funeral once in South Africa and I mean, I've went to a few, but one that I went to, it was quite amazing because, you know, often here there's such sombre affairs where people sit very still and cry very quietly, you know, but this was not like that. It's like people were You know, we're sitting one moment and then the next minute people started clapping. And this man was between two very large women and they just jumped up. And so I went up with them because I had no choice. (laughs) And there was singing and there was crying and there was expression, you know, of that emotion that people were feeling. It was let out. And uh, wow, how wonderful to grieve in that way, like kind of really just be true to what's actually got, it's that kind of link again, that the feeling and the action was all like there. So this capacity to express is actually essential. I think that's the the link to mental health. It's that we're just squashing down so much in ourselves, not the link, but a link, that our systems can't kind of reestablish the equilibrium very well.
0: Ritual is part of your everyday Personally, on my daily walk, I make time to sit in a spot in nature. I just notice what's around me. It's amazing what thoughts and symbols show up from just making space. We encourage you to think about your daily routines and how you can incorporate ritual into your lives. I just wanted to share a really beautiful quote because I came across it and I think it just spoke so powerfully to the importance of ritual and I would love to see if it resonates at all with you. So we not only nurture our sacred relationships through ritual, but we are nurtured by them as well. In ritual, we move and we are moved. And that's by Alison Lee, Lily. Does
1: that resonate? Cutting out the noise and bringing it all into here. Yeah, the sacred is the now. The numinous, we live the numinous. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I actually want to say right now, we can take ourselves into this right now, (laughs) Whenever we want. Like I've got this beautiful jasmine here. It's taken millions of years for this jasmine to get to that shape of perfectly attract the bee with that perfume that's just sent out across the waves and draws the bees to it. We can literally become awestruck by life in a moment, actually, if we're just not too busy thinking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's so much that we miss out on because we're so in our heads. And we talked about this mm. on a previous episode, a little bit with Tina about connecting with nature and how much there is to be amazed by around us all the time. As you said that I was looking, I've got um some roses on my desk that I picked from my garden. I was kind of tranced out. I think when I was picking them going, oh my God, these are amazing. Like the color and the texture. And yeah, we so often overlook these small things that and these opportunities to connect with these more soulful places or these more nourishing places within us.
0: Be in awe of every moment. But now it's time to get back into our bodies. Prior to this podcast, Kate had said the body is a lived experience rather than a concept. I wanted to know what she meant.
1: It came to me that, and I say this with an understanding that we like to label things and it definitely has a value to label our experiences. At the same time, the downside of labeling is that it gets concrete and it lives as a concept, not, not an experience. We start using it as a, as a replacement for living it. Sometimes when I, when I hear the word or I read the word embodiment and in the body and I use them even myself, I kind of go, that doesn't really say the experience for me. That's a concept too. We're going to have a concept of being in the body. I mean, we can't be anywhere else. I haven't found a way to be anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, well, even that's a bit weird actually because I'm on the screen right now, so I kind of am somewhere else. But, yeah, this sort of in the body like, can become a concept rather than something that I'm actually just is occurring. And the more I talk, the more that I feel like I get further away from it again. So I think it's that. It's like the more I talk, the further I get from it. And that's the challenge around it.
2: It's like the Tao that cannot be said, you know, as soon as you start to try and pin it down or label it, you're out of it again.
1: I think that's a big challenge with it. So to have a truly fresh experience that is just lived in the moment. I think that's where emotions are so marvellous because they have that way of moving through us as a physical experience, as a a set of sensations. So they sort of bust through (laughs) the thinking (laughs) wall. It's like, okay, I'm here, you know. So for me, that's why the sort of, there's a word we use called, uh, there's a word of vivencia, V-I-V-E-N-C-I-A, vivencia. And a, a German guy, William... Willem Dilvey developed that word and basically it means a an intensely lived experience happening in the moment, in the here and the now. A truly embodied
0: experience which doesn't actually have words that are applicable to it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. trying very hard to encapsulate but it is beyond words. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is, and you kind of—it's very individual and personal, of course. A vivencia, you know, because it's going like a vivencia will happen inside me. We actually use it to mean a dance in Barenza. Each dance is inviting a, a vivencia to happen. So the method is actually about having vivencias. That's the main kind of modality mode of the of the method is actually vivencia.
0: I think that's the beautiful thing with dance, isn't it? You're all listening to the same music and it is moving you each in an individual way or in a vivencia, You're having your own vivencia in that moment, even though you're all together listening to the same music. That's a pretty incredible thing, isn't
1: it? It's an incredible thing. And then if you imagine actually if you are looking in someone's eyes and listening to that music together, that you actually may begin to even create a field I don't know, the sort of the, maybe it's a process-oriented psychology, word, the, the dreaming, the shared dreaming, you kind of create a shared dreaming together with that music, each of your emotions, and you introduce the connection, like through the gaze, maybe through the hands. There's this circuit that is set up and then a new dreaming actually appears. And you new avivncia can can happen. It's not just individual, it's not just me having my vivencia over here, but it can actually it can be it can include another. And potentially it can include a whole group and potentially it can include a sense of like expansion to life, you know that's actually kind of having a vivencia with life and it's having a vivencia with you. In Berasa, the intention is a bit more to see if we can co-create. There'll be moments where it's just you with yourself, but there's an intention more to find out what it means for our species to co-create. We use the words collaborate and co-create a lot, but I feel like we know what they are from the frontal cortex, but do we really know what they are internally, deeply, physiologically, emotionally? Because they come with a whole range of things, eh? You know, we say collaborate and then we set up with our friends and then they have a different opinion to us and it's like, oh, no, this is actually quite difficult. Someone <laughs> <You know? laughs> storms out and slams the door. Or... <laughs> it's just like, collaborate, we use that word and it's supposed to become easy, you know. But when you're dancing and you don't have the words and then you look at someone and it brings something alive in you, maybe something exciting, maybe something scary, that's the real experience. You're actually living the here of collaboration or of human connection. You know, and when it actually nourishes you, it's the deepest nourishment I think a human can have is actually looking in the eyes. I mean, you know, being a mum, you, Rose, I'm not sure if you are too, Indigo, but, you know, looking in the eyes of a child, that circuitry, that is primary and fundamental to our humanity. And that touch, I mean, the touch and the eyes, who we are comes from that base. So that is in the picture in Bjarne That is also in the picture. It's not just dance individually it's that's with access to that as well.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking there's a lot of like accidental places where you would have that co-creation experience. You know, if you go to a festival and you're listening to music, there's often this heightened state that you all get into together. Yes. If you go to a particular retreat and you're all in that state together. So we, we actually we're naturally drawn to these experiences, even though, yeah, it's not a named thing. We don't go, oh, I'm gonna go, you know be embodied with a load of people now that's the thing isn't it it's like drawing us in it feels good it feels right it feels right
1: yeah exactly exactly there's something in that mammalian kind of collective within us that we get
0: Kate has shared so much richness over these podcasts we have been talking about taking ourselves out of the intellect and moving into what feels right for us a great way to do this is through story Kate is about to share her own incredible story and how Biodanza helped her in her healing journey.
1: Look, I'll tell you one that's, it's very, it's quite powerful. It's very personal. I came across Biodanza because I was recovering from trauma. So i gone looking for healing and I was doing psychotherapy and that was working very well. And this friend invited me to this class and then In it, I was like, wow, this is waking up something that the talking about my recovering from this situation has not actually done. This is doing something else that I need and I want. It's bringing back a sense of joy. It's bringing back a sense of trust in humanity and trust in myself. And uh, it's bringing back my emotions. It's bringing back my sensations and feelings. And so I entered Mm -hmm. into the training to start becoming a facilitator. And in that training, I remember a very particular moment with one of my co-students, one of the other students, and I'd had difficulty with this man, like from the beginning, something in him kind of activated in me a sense of, like, distrust and wariness, yeah. And on the back of the trauma I'd been through, I think it was sort of touching a little bit into that, and I... I didn't dance with him very often, but one day he came to me when we were doing encounters, so sometimes it's called the poetry of human encounter because it's a way we can literally re-encounter our humanity. And he came and he just stood before me, just there, you know, and and I, I felt I could stay with him. And so I just looked in his eyes for a long, long time. And I had this moment where suddenly I just felt like, it was him and all the men of humans were behind him. And he just said, I'm sorry. And I just completely dissolved into tears, you know, because of what I'd lived in. That, I was attacked. When I lived in that attack, I just, you know, just spontaneously appeared this, this apology and it was a man who had attacked me and that had been challenging for me, obviously. So, yeah, there's, there's no logic to that, but it was so healing. And after the session we spoke, he said, I don't know what happened. I just, just something came and I, I felt to just stand there and I felt that was what I needed to say.
0: That's mm-hmm. such that <laughs> a profound moment and I'm just I'm really Mm. feeling into that and I'm feeling into how how deeply we can connect with other humans and how quickly we can connect with other humans when we allow ourselves to and Mm. what an amazing way to communicate (laughs) at your level you know how how incredible would it be to be able to live like that and communicate in a real way with people all the time Mm. and that this this medanza—it's one way we can retap into that, and it's—and yeah. it's a beautiful way to do it. But it's something we need to make a daily part of our lives.
1: Yeah, as well. Yeah, I agree, and we certainly can. We certainly can. I mean, putting on a piece of music, closing your eyes, moving slowly, spending time with a flower—you mm. know—these yeah, are moments we can we can literally carve out little vivencias for ourselves. And the more we make more we, set, we have that intention to have free fanciers in our life, we can have them and I believe that we can we can find a way to tap into that special human ability.
0: Healing can happen in so many different ways and often people are drawn to a particular modality because it does speak to something very deeply within them and nourishes something within them that mm-hmm. needs to be nourished. And mm-hmm. if we follow that pull, then often there is a journey for us to go on, a healing process for us to go on. And that, that's part of being human. Like, you know, life can be really, really tricky. And if we constantly march along in our little prefrontal cortex, we miss out on all that richness. We miss out on getting to the deep good stuff and actually working through all the layers of, of who we are. Yeah, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Make time to do the things that nourish you. The Kate, That Nourishment comes from Biodanza. Kate shares how each dance has its own gold and message within it. No dance is the same.
1: The session was about letting go. And um, he proposed this piece of music, had a very chaotic beginning. And I was kind of resisting it. I was like, oh, what is this? It's really weird. I don't like it. Da, da, da. And then there came this point where the music just got the better of me. And I went, that's it let go of the chaos (laughs) and I just let go of the chaos and I was moving around and jumping around and just like, and sound started coming out and, you know, and so I love that because it was just literally like my, I could see my mind going, and then this moment where it just went, (laughs) and the music just kind of... (laughs) took over and then it was fantastic. I came out of that afterwards just like what a relief. I feel like I've been waiting to do that dance for the whole year, you know, mm-hmm. a dance of, of letting go to the chaos because yeah, that's true. what we've all had to do this year, you know. there's I mean, been, yeah. You know, oh. like you guys, there's, there's all that like kind of planning and how do we deal with this and how do we sort this and, you know, have to do that too. But at a certain moment it's like when the hell do I let that shit go? <laughs> you know, so that dance just let me let it go and I just felt lighter and you know then I could do the next dance ah the next dance was sit down and connect with a posture that takes you into a feeling of there being no time mm. yeah you know, and then it was just like going into just the spaciousness of no time all time and just then I rested on my back and I was like oh, you know call this period of time whatever you want but you know there's something bigger going on
0: yeah and that that really does actually bring together how dance can help us with our our mental health and and release a lot of uh, pent-up thoughts emotions whatever's going on within the body and how following that does create big shifts within us so thank you thank you that's a beautiful story and I guess we're talking we've talked a lot about ritual and one question I actually ask anyway, and it's a great podcast to ask it, is do you have a daily ritual? Is there something you do each day that really grounds you, connects you?
1: It's probably not the same one every day, but something I'm doing kind of every other day at the moment is watering the plants, like really just using that as a ritual because we live in an apartment and I realised that, you know, I was thinking to myself, how can I not just plonk on the couch? Like, what can I do instead of just plonk? <laughs> you know, just considering we're living in an apartment, what can I do? And then I was like, I can just give a bit more love to the plants. So I've just been like really deliberately saying, I'm going to go now and just commune with the plants on the balcony for a while, you know, buy some, I bought some new natives, or like give water to them and just appreciate them and thank them. And So I think that's a ritual I've introduced
0: recently. Great ritual and one that many people live in apartments, right? So it's one that would be so nourishing to so many. We have woven our way through dance, trance, ritual and mental health. We hope this has inspired you to follow the modality that lights you up and makes you feel more whole. Before Kate goes, she has a few juicy book recommendations and some
1: wise words to share. Toko, my friend Sangoma, it's <laughs> so simple. She would just say a few things she would say to me. One of the things she'd say is, I know you're going to do all these things and you're going to, you know, go here and go there and everything. And then, then it's time to sit down. <laughs>
0: I see, day. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to be told that like every day. I can see why I was, like not It's like such good advice. As you say, it's simple, but hard to follow and, sometimes. hard to follow sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. For people that are really interested in Bodanza, obviously we're mm. talking about it not being an intellectual process, but is mm. there a book that you would recommend that people could read to really connect them to
1: this topic? There is a beautiful book written in Spanish (laughs) and translated into Italian and Portuguese. (laughs) Actually, quite a few books, (laughs) I know, that came out of South America. So there's so much written in other languages other than English. It's quite interesting. But in terms of English, there's a translation on the way at some point. So that's a possibility. I try to write about it on my blog, so that's one way maybe to access a bit of English language content around it. And there are a few English bloggers around the world who write about Biodanza. So we're definitely in the minority. It's quite interesting being part of the movement because we really... English is, the minority, is a minority language. There is a beautiful book, Patrice Malidorma-Somme, of Water and... Oh, there's two beautiful books, of Water and the Spirit and ritual power, healing, and community.
0: Well, friends, I feel like we've shared quite the adventure. Therapy is all about deep diving into the unknown. If you feel you've got something out of this conversation, then please spread the word. To contact this week's guest speaker or learn more about the topic and how you can work with it, check out the show notes. Therapy releases new episodes weekly, so make sure you stay connected. Bye from us at Therapia and dance through life.